Hey, y'all. Fort Worth Camera Radio is back on the air, the recorded air, no less. But we've taken a little bit of a break, and that's for good reason, because we're getting ready to reintroduce the third installment of the Fort Worth Camera Ambassador Program. So this will be the essentially the third season of our podcast, I guess. I think we can call it that. And we're going to be unveiling new ambassadors that provide a very unique niche appeal, especially for all new ambassadors. Everyone's going to have a, a different technique, a different um, style that we utilize to, of course, promote Fort Worth Camera, but in turn to promote uh, these new personalities that we're bringing on board. And as such, I'd like to welcome, actually, before I welcome him, it is a him, by the way, I'm going to read this new ambassador. not welcome at the moment. Is you know, no, 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 hold on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're, we're going to read the bio from his YouTube page because we're going to make it a little oh, bit of a secret. No. All right. You're, you're, a, you're a special secret guest. It's a, it's a reveal. It's an unboxing. My name is blank, and I make videos about photography. I've been making photographs most of my life, and I have a tremendously deep passion for photography that I want to share with you on YouTube. The Art of Photography is my channel. Oh. <gasps> And I produce photography videos to provide a 360 degree look into the world of making images. Let's do this together. I make videos covering famous photographers, photography techniques, composition, and the history of photography, and more. I also have a strong community of photographers who watch the show, and we frequently do social media challenges for photographers to submit their own work. I feature the best and the most interesting on the show when we do these so come on in and check it out and get involved. Uh, should I read your address because it's on here? Yeah, you, well, it's it's yeah, that's that's public. So. Okay, well, it says that you live in Fort Worth. Most importantly, that's the best. City one, ever. one of the criteria of actually becoming a Fort Worth camera ambassador. So please welcome to Fort Worth Camera Radio, <laughs> Mr. Ted Forbes. How are you? I'm good. Was that that was a good reveal? Thanks. I had no idea. This is this is S one. Sorry, this is S three E one. Yes. That's what they say in the That's podcast Season three, talk, isn't it? episode one. I don't, I I don't know honored. those terms. Yeah, no, no. no we, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach them to you. Thanks. You know, I have not read that bio in a good long time, and it, it's it's a little corny, but I'm glad I meet the criteria of living in Fort Worth. No, it's more it's, than that. It's more than that, but it's definitely a strong <laughs> criteria because here's the thing. We're here to promote photography in North Texas. Yes, actually, and, and, and we, so this is not the first time I've met Mackenzie. Obviously, uh, we go way back. Way maybe, like back. Like two months or something. Yep. We spoke together at the Eamon Carter Museum of American Art here, and then we have talked a couple of times, like just in the last week, about the program, what you want to do, what I want to do, and how we can partner together and, and all that groovy stuff. And so I think you and I are definitely on that same page of uh we're, we're hometown fort worth guys we yeah. want to share how awesome this city and this community here are so so i got a, some basic boilerplate questions for you where are you from right. are you a fort worth guy um almost i'm a dallas guy originally <gasps> but let me tell you something about dallas i was born and raised Homie, in this dallas. is fort worth camera i know and well i live here now so i have lived in fort worth for gosh I'm, we moved here in 2015 and you know it's funny because um I thought, you know, I was really into the idea of Fort Worth. I'd come here when I was a kid and we always went to the museums, but that's all we did. So it was like this huge exploration opportunity and I was really excited about it. It's like, wow, there's good restaurants here. Fort Worth had really grown up a lot. And I thought, okay, well, you know, really gonna miss Dallas. And so I'm thinking that like maybe once a week I'll have my Dallas day. So I, I'll go, 
You know, here's the deal. I love Fort Worth so much, and actually going back to Dallas is such a pain in the rear end. The traffic's bad. The people here are a lot nicer. People there are mean. And, you know, there's kind of that, I don't want to insult Dallas, but it's it's hip and trendy, and it's grown, and it's just really busy, and I like to be a little more laid back for the most part. So Fort Worth has the culture, it has stuff to do, but it's also kind of, it's like a big, small town. Well, I'm going to make sure you save that for our final question, because okay. that's what that's all about. All because, right. I can, I can go uh, off on it more. So. Yeah, well, that's good, because that is the, the end of our podcast, the final secret ah, question okay. that everybody gets asked. <laughs> Sorry, I, I do this all the time. I got excited. and So... Speaking of excitement, share me your, your first photographic experience. First photographic experience. The very first was uh, my first camera. I think I was in the seventh grade, and I really wanted a camera. I thought photography was cool. I had a friend who was into it, and so I think it was like probably for a birthday or something. Yeah, because it was in the fall. I got a Kodak 110. Remember yeah. those? The long rectangle. Mm-hmm. And and the film, you can still sort of find it sometimes at a drugstore. It's always got a thin layer of place. dust. You know a place? <laughs> Does it have a thin layer of dust on the top? No, not no, here. No, yeah, right here. You sell one ten. We sell one ten. We're not here to promote. Well, we kind of are here to promote. Wait a minute, camera, but no, this is a big deal because sometimes these weird formats, like you know, okay, thirty five millimeters, not too hard to find. One twenty is not too hard to find. One ten is. We have one ten. We also have one twenty six. I was. That was my next question. One twenty six. Yeah. I've got a one twenty six camera. Yeah, well, good news. All right, I'm going to load it's up. It's in our new refrigerator, actually. Uh, do you have, uh, do you, okay, here's here's an obscure one. What's the 120 that the brownies took, but there was smaller spools, six something, 620 or 620. six? Yeah. You have that? Yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 we don't have that, no. You should sell a Dremel tool so people can like make their own out oh, of yeah. 120. Yeah, we talk about that. <laughs> But I don't know. There so, are ways. So, but anyway, it was a so, 110 yeah. camera. And, and I remember the first thing I shot is, is <laughs> this is such a weird story. So one of my best friends, uh, he, their family had a swimming pool. They lived in Dallas. And I remember we went over there and in the winter, they would let their pool go and it would just turn into a swamp. It was disgusting. Nice. So we'd fish out of this thing. There were frogs. And oh, so that was my okay. first photo shoot where my friends uh, fishing out of a swimming pool. Their parents must paid a fortune getting that thing overhauled every year. It was disgusting. But uh, I, you know, and I used to, I remember back in those days you'd have to go to a photo lab and they had it was right like right out of that 70s show where they had the fox photo photo lab that's right it was on mockingbird in 75 and so it was a drive-through in the middle of a parking lot it was just a hut nice yeah and uh i would save my allowance mom would uh, i'd have to go run some errands with her like grocery store and such and then we'd whip through the photo hut and i'd drop off my film and then i had to save my allowance and back then like the big deal was you get duplicates usually for free Ooh. and yeah so you know and it was kind of expensive because i was doing this on my allowance so it would buying film and I was very cautious about how I proceeded with the whole thing and and I remember like I was really proud of all that stuff and it was junk and I was a kid but I bought this weird photo album and I put everything in there and I was like I'm gonna keep every photo I wish I still knew where that was oh that was my question yeah I don't know where it is but that that sounds like a good episode right there it would be if I could find it and and I don't know I mean I've moved a couple times and I think I would have seen it somewhere along the line but I do have like two huge moving boxes full of old prints and negatives from those days so yeah that was that was early on and then you know growing up I, I got into music and other things and that's you know what I wanted to do was score films at one point and I majored in music in college and and photography was always um it, it was it was a very personal hobby to me it was just something I really loved and I never had an interest in pursuing it 
for a living. And the reason was, is because I started doing that with music a little bit and some other ventures. And the last thing I ever wanted was a client weighing in on what I needed to shoot or not shoot. And, and, you know, for people who do that, I have an immense amount of respect for that, but it was just such a personal thing. I was always afraid I'd be insulted and, uh, it, it would be too difficult to do that for a living. Like, like my soul would be sucked out of my nose or something. So, you know, um, I never really pursued much of that. Uh, video I got very much into when DSLR started doing Doing that, and then bump up to 2007. Uh, a friend of mine said there's an opening for a media producer at the Dallas Museum of Art, and uh, I thought, man, that would be such a dream gig. I think that would be amazing. And it, it, in many ways, it was because it was like it was one of those poorly defined jobs where there was uh, way too many tasks and and range to what it was. But it should have hired probably three people, but. I'm the kind of personality where it's like, okay, yeah, let's figure this out. I love new stuff. And so I got really into video. I did, I did some event photography for them and things like that. But, you know, I, I knew that job wasn't going to be permanent for me, but there were a lot of things I liked about it. And so around that time, uh, YouTube, uh, which started, I guess, in what, 20, 2005, uh, had started to take off a little bit. I mean, back then it was mostly bootleg TV and the, and the quality was really crummy and uh, it really wasn't the place you wanted to make videos for. But I kind of saw a potential there is something for the future that was going to happen. And so around that time, podcasting had started to become really big. And I had a friend who did a lot of video podcasts, which have kind of sort of become way less of a thing. They still exist, but kind of the thing that we should be doing, but we don't do. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to work with you. So, uh, but yeah, so it, it, podcasting now you think of as audio, but you know, I was doing a video podcast. And so I started by doing that and I realized, you know, I love talking about photography. I am ultra passionate about it. It's something that I love and I want to share this with people. And really the original reason I wanted to do it is because I wanted to learn video for the job. And I thought, well, I need a project I can mess up on. So my plan was I'd make like maybe five shows and then call it a day. And about two or three shows into it, like you would get an email from somebody and, hey, I live in London and I found you on iTunes and I noticed you're into like film and I do this and I'm into this or this photographer, you know, the, these common ground uh, things that you find with people. And I just kept making them and just fell in love with it. And that was a long time ago and 10 years later and four, no, 800 something videos I don't remember how many. Uh, yeah. If I you, count them, I, I die. But you got a lot. You definitely, I, I, I just missed it, but it was like over 700 and something. Yeah. I'm in on eight. So, but, uh, okay. Yeah. I look at it now and then. It freaks me out though, because it's like, you know, what what if I can't come up with anything new? Well, yeah, 560,057 <laughs> subscribers on YouTube. I didn't check your iTunes um I don't podcast. think you can see that. Uh, iTunes still has probably an audience about like all I can see. See, here's the deal. YouTube is like awesome because it gives you like very detailed statistics. I can tell what age bracket, what gender, how long people are watching it, all these things. On iTunes, all I can see is how many times a file was downloaded. And it's usually between six and 10,000. I mean, I think people come in and casually just watch one video they're interested in and they don't really subscribe necessarily. But I just subscribed. You know. Ah, thank you, sir. And I recommend everyone else to do the same. <laughs> because um, it's good for you it is good for you and I, I will say that honestly it is good for you if you have any sort of fascination or, or passion about photography it covers a gamut which is so yeah. broad we're talking about Lightroom we're talking about camera reviews we're talking about it's the 360 view that's it is my the goal, 360 you know? view it's everything that's photography which is something that 
forward camera here we try to aspire to. Yeah, exactly. To I think that's why everything. this is a really good fit because it's like, yeah, there's film, there's printing, there's digital, there's sure. education, there's there's so many things. And that that's, you know, I was saying on a show the other day, um, you know, when you look back like on the history of photography, it's like, there. how many things is it encompassed? And literally right now, with the exception of maybe Kodachrome and Autochrome and maybe a couple other film types, 99% of the entire history of photography you could do right now. If you want to go do 10 types, you can, you know, go go practice, go experiment, go find sure. something you like. You want to do collodion, you want to do wet plate, you want to do uh, platinum palladium. It's all available. And that's one of the things that's fascinating to me is like photography includes chemistry, it includes optics, it includes uh, papers, it includes now computer science and imaging. And, and, and uh, I mean, it's really amazing. Uh, now artificial intelligence is the new thing, like phones. Like, have you seen the Google Pixel? It has that night sight thing yeah it's a night mode that's that basically uses an algorithm to stitch a series of multiple exposures together and give you a really clean low light image and it blows my mind like how does that work you know so and what is possible with that because i think that's what the important thing is is like what can people go do with that what can they make that's new so i get excited i can tell yeah <laughs> that makes for good forward <laughs> camera radio hey um i've got a, a side question though yep okay i want to talk about your music okay Cause I'm, I'm, you're a musician too. Yeah. Yeah. So you went to, I mean, when did you first pick up your first instrument? Hey, my instrument? dad had a guitar and this, this was, you know, I got the camera, I guess in what sixth grade, seventh grade, somewhere in there. And around maybe a year later, it's like, you know, you're a kid and you're trying to figure out what you want to do. And I thought, I thought, well, I like music and there's this guitar lying around. I really want to take lessons. So I took piano lessons, guitar lessons. And then when I went to high school, um, I, I was going to private school at the time and I was pretty miserable and didn't know it. And I actually had a teacher that pulled me aside one day and said, you know, you're kind of failing everything and your parents are spending money on this. And, you know, it would be, I want to see you find your real talent and and it was some poetry assignment or something. And, and, uh, I'd done well on it. And I said, well, I'd love to play music and all. She said, have you ever considered arts magnet? It was called at the time. And I said, no. And so that's where I ended up going starting in 10th grade. And that's when I got serious about it. I was in the jazz band and, and I love to write. Um, I always loved the idea of music for film as an option. I thought that was really kind of cool and interesting. And so uh, when I went to college, I went to University of North Texas. So I've never really been outside the Golden Triangle radius here. Um, But anyway, I've started at UNT and jazz was a weird major because it's like, what am I going to do with this ever for a career? And I remember, I'm giving you way longer an answer than you want. No, no, I want to hear it. Well, there was a a gentleman by the name of Bob Belden, who is a saxophone player. And at the time he was one of the corporate executives at CBS. And at the time they were doing these re-releases of like Miles Davis records, but they do, they do a box set and it would have all the, the, outtakes and extra tracks and whatever were involved. And I love Miles Davis. And so I knew who Bob Belden was from producing these. And so I went to go hear him do this lecture. And he was talking about how being a sax player who could also write and arrange ended up with a job at CBS and all this. And and I guess that was around this time that Sony acquired them. And he says, well, you know, you guys, and this just stuck with me. He's like, you're in a position right now in college where you have access to write for a big band. You have access to write for a combo. You have access to write for a symphony orchestra. And he says, those things come fewer and further between when you get out of college. So take advantage now. And much to, uh, you know... I was never felt like I was on a time limit. I started changing my major and I just took random classes that I thought would be amazing. So I took jazz arranging, I took composition, I took uh, the orchestration. I went through all the the 
just everything I could get my hands on because I loved it. And uh, now I have a YouTube channel, so I don't know how it really, but you know, it gave me a grounding and you know, long story short, that was during the tech boom and I went to go work after college for a company that produced music software. So that's when the computer side of it came in and a lot of the technology that was coming out at that time, the internet was new, um, you know, and all those things. It's like, I'm very passionate about that. And I think, you know, we've talked a little bit about that, but I think that, I think that's a challenge especially for a camera store today, because you're still essentially a brick and mortar. And how does, you know, what makes somebody want to come in here versus just get something easy on Amazon or B&H? And you've told me a lot about your philosophy. And that's something that was really attractive to me is like, well, you know, you got to give people reason to want to come in. Sometimes that's community. uh, Sometimes that's education. Is there a class? Is there a workshop? And that's something that the Titans online they're not even willing to offer because there'd be no money in it for them. You know, Amazon makes it on that long tail. So I think that's what makes this a really interesting. And, you know, I, we were talking about too, I hadn't been over here yet and I felt kind of bad about that, but yeah, you know, what's up with that? Well, I only <laughs> I was waiting on an invitation. I don't know. <laughs> no, it was, uh, I'm a busy man. That's uh, no, I know. Yeah. I can tell. I'm a hermit. I live in a studio and make videos all day. But um, but anyway, yeah, that's kind of my long bio short. But yeah, you are also a guitar player. Do I'm you, not you, a guitar player. I'm a trumpet player. You're, oh, you're trumpet. Yeah. Did you major in jazz or band or anything? Uh, when, chamber music, technically. Dude, which, get out. Orchestral stuff. That's awesome. Um, yeah. but I can I, see I, that. I, I'm, a, I, uh, I'm a jazzer. But I, I learned to be a, a good jazz musician because of working in small ensembles. Yeah. And uh, and then... Again, that camaraderie. Yeah, you know? and then I learned to... Um, I taught for a while. Yeah. And oh, yeah. then I, um, <laughs> I was in a band for a long time and we had a record uh, deal. You still play? Not nearly enough, but I, I know. in that band I learned to play, learned to phrase my my trumpet playing like a guitar player because that's who I played with, and so I had to kind of do unisons and trade and fours and yeah, yeah all yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. So, but cool. it's enough about me. It's not about me. It's no, about but I'm, you. I, this is fascinating. But it opens up a discussion because you know it's funny. I think it's hard. Um, I've talked to people about this before, but like, what is the connection between music and visual arts? Because that's Ooh, not that's, unusual. Because that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, you. that is not unusual. Are you really were going to ask me that? I really was going to ask. I want to talk about that. Yeah, I think it is this. Um, when you are dealing with anything that is somewhat creative, there is a layer of abstract that comes with that. Now, with photography or painting, for the most part, let's say photography for a second, uh, most photography, uh, it is not abstract in the sense you can identify, like if I look at that picture, I see, you know, two people and there's a rope, so I assume there's a park or something. You know, I can identify what's going on in a shot. That's a band photo. I know those are instruments, those are faces, that's a football field. You know, I can tell you what I'm seeing. That's a tree, that's a car. With music, Bring lyrics out of the equation for a minute. How do you describe middle C to somebody? How do you describe a B flat? How do you describe, you know, the Mixolydian mode or, or what's a minor four? You know, we have all these math names for what music is, but it's still an abstract. It's almost like a Jackson Pollock or a Rothko. Yes. It's like, you know, you maybe you find yourself in it and then you learn how to analyze it. And so I think that when people, I'm bragging for both of us here, but like early on being able to have an experience with that type of abstract thinking, if you were to move away from that, whether it be business, photography, YouTube, it's like, I think you have a different, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not trying to be arrogant by saying no, that, no, but no, you no, know no. what I mean? It's, it's a different approach. It's just a different, different part of your brain that you're accessing. And, and for me, 
how I can incorporate my musical mind into the visual mind of photography and what to look for just yes. in general. You know, you, you look for shades, you yes. look for nuance, you look for colors, you look for shapes, you, you look for punctuations. Um, and I, like I don't, that. I don't look for, okay, I'm going to go out today and look for a building. Or no, I'm going to no, drive right. down the road and look for a barn. I'm going to look for the details I'm looking for light. I'm looking for something that uh, Harold Feinstein used to say when your jaw drops, flip the shutter. You know, it's like you want to be passionate about it. Jaw drops. Click the Write shutter. that down. Yeah, I, I got to get you the exact quote. It's something like that. But no, I think you're right. It's it's like uh, maybe emotion comes into play. There's, yes. there's like we're communicating visually, which is really the name of the game, right? Oh, yeah. I think. Yeah. Maybe I mean, not to some people. It is communication. And just like music, you are communicating and you're expressing your mind just through a medium. And I, and I do believe that in terms of technique, a musical instrument just has just as much um, need for your self-discipline as a camera. I mean, it's just a different type of instrument. You know, it's really interesting what you just said too, because the first time I met you, we spoke together at the Amon Carter. And one of the things that you were talking about was your connection to the Weston family and being from Northern California. And I see a lot of that in those people's work as well. Um, exploration of shades, light, uh, shapes, geometry, um, emotion. Right. Um, it, it's and, and it sounds like I'm, I'm describing a mathematical approach, and I'm not. It's 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 definitely um, it's like what are you seeing? You know what I mean? It's like yeah, we're talking about a visual medium, but there's so many layers of what can be seen. And maybe that's why I never had an interest also in sh- shooting commercial work because you do have to go find a building and make something out of that, and or a person or you know whatever that right. is. And and for me, I like to keep it. All the people that I look up to, my heroes in photography, uh, Brett Weston, Edward Weston, um, you know Keith Carter, people who are alive today. It's like I'm more on the art side of things. Clearly, that's where my mind wants to be. Um, but that you know, and again, it's like coming back around to the passion of it all. That's what makes photography just, it's so amazing. I, I never get tired of it, you know? Um, even when I'm tired, like from shooting, I could still sit down and look at a book at night or be inspired by something or somebody else's story or whatever that is, or watch a movie that's you know, based around that. Um, there, there's a lot to it, you know? It took me a long time to, to actually put into words what I felt about either music or photography. Why do you actually like something? It's hard, yeah. Yeah, and so now every time we teach a class here, the first question is not only who are you, what do you shoot, and then we ask them further. Okay, we'll be specific. Right. So someone will say, well, I like shooting landscape photography. Okay, well, that op- that's a pretty broad statement. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go ahead and think about it for a moment, define what landscape you want to actually shoot. And so as someone who played you know, brass instruments growing up. And I listened to some of my, you know, favorite musicians, you know, Miles Davis being one of them, yep. Doc Severinsen, oh, and, and then Burt yeah. Bacharach and, and all sorts yes. of, you know, blood, sweat and tears. And, 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 uh, you know, I'm naming horn groups and tower power all good stuff though, man. But yeah. it took me a while to realize why I actually like something. Why do I find that cool? And I can just say, Oh, this is really cool and, and be done with it. But, once you start really thinking about defining why you like something, I find that I my creativity really burgeons and, and, and comes alive and blossoms. So um, stopping to think why you think something is cool uh, has really helped me uh, 
Well, and especially I think you mentioned because landscapes and landscapes I think of as are like largely abstract because they're really hard to do. And like you look at Ansel Adams work, he's doing them in black and white. He's manipulating the development time and the process in the darkroom to, to have an impact on certain things. And, and it's abstract handled beautifully. And it also works the other way around. Cause like you mentioned, Burt Backrack, we're totally flipping between <laughs> music and yeah. photography, but that was one for me. You know, when I was a kid growing up in the eighties, it's like, eh, that was stuff my parents listened to. Who Burt Backrack. But, you but get then it now. yeah, later on you're like, those are beautiful songs. And like, you see it from a different perspective. And I think that's another, other thing that's interesting is like, and I don't see a lot of people do it, but you know, being able to reevaluate and appreciate something differently later than you did before. Sometimes it takes a lot of time to do that yes. uh, with anything in art and, and it happens in, um, oh my gosh, there were people that, that when I started working at the museum that I just didn't care for, especially a lot of contemporary art, it just didn't get it. It was just too abstract, too conceptual, too bizarre. And then when you start to learn about things a little bit, then you reevaluate and you're like, you know what? I get that. That's pretty amazing. It's something I used to not like. Um, so there's that, you know? So it's, it's interesting, but that's, that's like, I guess, you know, within the realm of any art, it, it, it's, it's your experience with it, but you're right. Like putting into words, like, why do you like this? Sometimes I think that's hard. important though. I yes. think it's important. You need to start realizing that there are words for your emotions and there are sure. words for, um, why you like something. And if you can at least share them with yourself, that's probably going to pay off quite a bit. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think, well, it's essential. I mean, I'm looking at photos on your wall and yeah. Dixie Dixon, who yeah. is very successful. And I think that's what, it's one of the things, and whether or not you're out to be a professional photographer or be successful, um, there's different ways you can look at that. And I'm not talking about like financially successful or, or you know, um, you've got the accolades, you've got the connections, you've got, I mean, you know, but she's successful in that she makes incredible pictures. She's very emotional about it. It's, it's Today's her birthday, her. by the way. Get out, really? Yes, she really. By? She ought to. Because everybody wants to come by here on their birthday, right? Yes. Come visit, <laughs> come hang out in Mackenzie's uh, office on your birthday. It's awesome. <laughs> Anyway, but I, I you know, it's like, I think she's like 21 today or something. I, yeah, I know. She's I think perpetually she found the fountain of youth somewhere. Cause uh, I, yeah, I Dixie, I, we're talking about you. Happy I know. birthday. Happy birthday. Definitely. It's uh, uh, me, me and me and Ted are going to play a duet. Happy birthday on guitar and cornet. That was kind of my, that was my trombone that impersonation. Did you like good. that? I'm, yeah. I have to have my hands in a certain, they have nothing to do with the sound, but I feel like I'm playing a trombone. Mm -hmm. No, but you know, back to what we were saying though, I think that that's what it is, is this success and then defining what you're going to do with that. But it, it's the difference of, you know, cause I see, um, especially being involved with YouTube, you see a lot of kids, uh, people who are in middle school or high school that they're at kind of that forefront of like, you know, I, I have, have this camera or I like to make video or whatever that is. And, and it's kind of a hobby stage for them. They don't, they haven't defined why they like it yet. And, and it's like that definition is kind of what is going to take you next level. I think no yes, matter what it is. Thank you. you. Know? That's yeah. what I was trying to get across. Yeah. Once and you I'm, start defining what you're into, then it locks. Yeah. Then it locks. And I'm not saying like, like success in terms of like you're a millionaire and, and you have all these high paying, you could be an amateur and there are many of them. I yeah. would even argue that right here. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but I mean, I would even argue, and you've seen it too. There's amateur work today that is fantastic. Oh my. And there's professional work. That's not as, you know, yeah. had this go, you know, I find that once, 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 uh, <laughs> once that, uh, you know, I've had to back off from, 
professional work because it sapped my creativity. Have you ever found that? Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's another reason I don't want to do it. I mean, I mean, you have so much catalog going on. I I I mean, how do you keep it fresh? Well, it's different. I don't work for somebody. I mean, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, where the buck stops on the YouTube channel. You know, I decide the content. I mean, yeah. And I get burnt out. Don't get me wrong. I've been through stages where it just, yeah, after a while, and I'm kind of starting to hit one of those now where I just can't wait to go shoot. Now I don't want to think about it or think about how to talk about it or even worse, show off a new camera or, you know, they're all great. We were talking about this the other day. It's like, you know, in this day and age in 2019, there is no excuse at any budget level, not to have a camera that's going to get the job done. I mean, it's, there's plenty out there. So it gets boring to talk about that after a while um it burnt me out when i was doing music a couple times i i I went on the road with a band and and you know especially if you're ever in a situation where you're on the road and you've done it the last thing you want to do is play more music or write something or you know what i mean it's like it's so much um and i've always been very careful about that with photography and with my show i mean i definitely determine the direction of it and I probably would be more successful if I didn't do that, but I will switch avenues and directions and I'll try new things, but I almost have to do that because that's, you know, I, I'm not the kind of guy just to come up with a recipe and just, you know, pump out the videos. It's like, you know, when I did, um, I don't know if you've seen the artist series videos. That was one that I'm, yeah, I'm looking at those right revisiting. now. Revisiting. Yeah. Those are quite interesting. That was, well, I'll tell you about the project. So, um, years ago, um, there was I, 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 somebody that I knew and respected had a project that they had done. This was early days of internet video and they were shorts on, on graphic designers. And I thought that that was amazing. And I always wanted to see something like that done with photography. And, Oh gosh, this was about 2015. It was, yeah. Cause it was, it was the week I moved to Fort Worth. So I was working with, um, Ovation TV at that time and they were encouraging me to do a crowdfunding project. And so I had this idea of what if I funded for a small series and the idea is that I'm not in these videos, I'm just going to direct them and I want them to be about, uh, the best of the best in living photographers. And I had a few people in mind. It was really tough to reach out when I had no work to show except my YouTube channel. And I didn't want to show that because this was going to be very different. Uh, and so that, that was kind of a life changing, um, process going through that because one, it was a crowdfunded project. So it was, it took my relationship with my audience in a very different place because all of a sudden they went from being just avatars and usernames to like, Hey, we're supporting your content. And that meant a lot to me, which was really cool. Uh, and then, um, the other thing was I'm sitting here cold calling my heroes. Right. And one of the first interviews I did on that, that series was Laura Wilson and, and Laura got that right now. Yeah. Laura is most famous for being the mother of Owen and Luke Wilson. And I can't ever remember the third brother's name. He's an actor too, but he's the less known of the three. Uh, her husband was Bob Wilson. I think his name was Bob, um, blanking right now, Bob. He was, um, a wealthy business guy, but he was very involved with uh, KERA here in Dallas mm. uh, back in the day. He died a couple years ago. But anyway, um, Laura uh, was Richard Avedon's assistant uh, for uh. the American West. And uh, <laughs> the museum, who her husband was on the board of directors at the time, uh, they decided they wanted to commission um, an, a photography project, which was a bold move at the time for that museum. Uh, they had they were known for painting and much less a fashion photographer who wanted to try his hand at this. And so that was a huge 
you know, coming together of a bunch of different things. Anyway, Laura was, uh, was Avedon's assistant during that time and they became very close friends and she actually was with him, I believe when he died, uh, they, she was assisting him in San Antonio on a mm. job down there. Uh, but anyway, um, and it's wild. You go into Laura's house, which is completely intimidating. Uh, but she's really? in this man. Well, it's, it's not opulent, but it, it, I mean, it's in a very nice neighborhood, but you go in and the entryway has been converted into a gallery and she's got Henri Cartier-Bressons and she's got uh, Jacques-Henri Lartigues and she's got, uh, you name it. And she has photos of her kids playing football and stuff that were taken by Avedon. You know, they all have the frame like wow. the American West. It's, it's amazing. And um, it, she was the first interview that I did for that Um I went through her assistant. She invited me over. She's very nice. She was like, just move everything around however you want it and we'll put it back later and, and I'll be with you in a second. And so she comes and sits down, does the interview. Uh, she wanted to back up a couple times because she was warming up and I want to tell that story a little bit and it's fun. So we back up and when the interview's over, she says, uh, can you turn off the cameras? I have an observation to make. Oh, and I'm like, uh-oh. And uh, it, it turned out being good. So I turned off all the cameras. I'm like, lay it on me. And she said, look, she said, I don't really know who you are, to be honest. <laughs> um, she said, uh, you obviously said something in your email that got my attention because I said yes and I get hit up for interviews all the time and I don't do them. I don't have time. So she said, I don't remember why I agreed to this, but she said, your research was good. You knew who I was. You asked good questions. We had a good conversation. She said, I believe in your series and you need to get the very best of the very best. I mean, she was really supportive of the whole thing and I'm like, okay, I'm on it. And that was my plan all along. But um, so anyway, after that, and it was funny because she said, have you ever thought about William Eggleston? And I'm like, well, actually he was one of the first people I thought of, but he's, William Eggleston's a little different. He lives in Memphis. Um, yeah, I'm really not sure. Anyway, I, I contacted, I guess his son runs his website. I never got a response back from anybody. I several times contacted. And she was like, no, 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 you need to go to Memphis and like camp out for a week and like start asking people, do you know William Eggleston? I'm looking for William, you know, finally you'll get him for the interview. I would love to be able to do that. Does that sound amazing? I mean, but like, I don't yeah. have two weeks to go <laughs> pursue William Eggleston in Memphis. I would like, you know, nothing gets done if I do this. So I didn't do that, but I, I did call a lot of people and, and I've made friends out of that. Keith Carter, I know very well, Lexi Tedarenko, who's not super well known. He's a little bit obscure, but he's one of my heroes. Um, so it was a pretty amazing experience to do that. Probably the strongest for me was when I ended up going to Mexico and I did three interviews down there. And, um, there was a gentleman who watched my show and he, he contributed financially like 10 bucks and he sends me this email and he's like, and, and 10 bucks is cool, man. That, that says, Hey, look, I believe in you. I mean, I know that to some people that's not a lot of money, but I don't care about that. And anyway, so he sends me this email. And he's like, man, I'm sorry. It's not very much, but he said, Hey, here's the deal. I'm an expat. I live in, I'm retired. I live in Mexico city. If you ever thought about coming down here, I've got connections for Pedro Meyer. And I'm like, I'm going to take you up on that. Doug Hall is his name. And so we did Graciela Utubide, who's probably the biggest name in Mexico. And what blew me away is like, I, I had never been to Mexico despite having grown up in Texas, not far from the border. And well, I mean, it's a 10 hour drive, but you know what I mean? I'd never <laughs> been there, not far. Um, but I didn't know what to expect. And, and I have to say that Mexico was nothing like I thought it was going to be. First of all, Mexico City is like higher altitude than Denver. So it's it cool. Is. It's pretty. You been? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. I thought it was going to be desert and flat. No. And poor. And, L I, largest city in the world. Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. Every day in the summer, about four o'clock, it starts raining for a little while. So yeah. you just go get some mezcal somewhere. And 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 the, the thing that was stronger than that even to me. Stronger than the mezcal? 
Yeah, starting with, you got to start with the mess and then move to the pulque after. Uh, but the, the thing that impacted me the most off of that is that um, Mexican photographers, and I think in, you probably see this for any artist in Mexico, they have, it's just amazing side that you don't see with Americans. It, there's, there's a superstitious side to it. There's... Um, it, it's very passionate, and it's this this beautiful split between the mathematical logical approach and then this this wild ancestral approach. Uh, you know the the indigenous people that still are in Mexico, and and like I interviewed one of the women that I interviewed was Lotus Grobe, who is known for shooting the lucha libre wrestlers. Yep, looking and at that right now, she was a trip, and uh, she. It, it was interesting because she grew up just loving wrestling like any other kid in Mexico. And so that's what she pursued. She got to know most of those people. Um, I got to research all that before the thing and it became fascinating to me. There's one there. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the green demon or something. The green demon? The green mari- that's, mariachi. Uh, Mil Mascaris. Mil Mascaris. Oh, yes. Man of Million Masks. Yep. Yeah. But I thought he had a, well, he had many masks. I was going to say white. For those of you who don't know what we're this talking green. about right now, yeah, I, 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 I have a, a Lucha Libre mask in my office that I picked up at the Lucha Libre. Um, did you go? I did oh. in, in Mexico City at Arena Mexico. Yeah. I think they built for the 72 Olympics or something. And yeah, I saw it. And uh, See, I didn't get that, to do that. that that's the end amazing. of that story, but go on. Well, but Lourdes, uh, one of the things that I loved about her is that that she later went on to do this big project with, uh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, it's an indigenous theater group, Teatro de, maybe just been Oaxaca or something. But anyway, um, but it was, it was this indigenous group that spoke the old languages. There were no lights. This is performed out in the, and they do Shakespeare and stuff, but it was in Spanish, outdoor performances. And she realized that there's a connection between the wrestling culture and then some of the antiquated early cultures of, you know, the Mayans or the Aztecs, you know. So it was a really interesting connection. Anyway, so I come back here and then the thing that amazed me is like, there's such a depth to who these people are creatively. Sure. Why aren't they known on the world stage? And honestly, I don't think they care. It's not about that. It's about, I mean, when you think of art in Mexico, everybody can probably name, um, they can see Frida, Frida Kahlo. You can name her. Uh, from photography standpoint, Weston was down there for a while with Tina Modotti, and that's probably it, right? And that's right. not even forefront of photography history. But nobody knows who anybody else is down there. There's um, Pedro Meyer has a has a he built a museum, uh, the Foto Museo de Cuatro Caminos. That that's all they do is photography, and it's massive. You'd love it. You got to go out there. It's on the north side of Mexico. But it's um, they had a Joel Peter Whitkin exhibition when I was there, and then it, it sistered with there was it was partnered with there was an exhibition. I can't think of his name. I'm totally blanking. I apologize. Um, Mexican photographer is known. He started as a forensic photographer, so you can kind of think him of sort of a Ouija. But he ended up getting this photo of a woman who had been killed in an automobile accident, oh. and it, it, he became kind of known in the art world. And it's just it, it's morbid, but it's brilliant work. Um, so anyway, I'm way off on a tangent here, but uh, well, that's okay. You know, I will say less of a tangent, but more of a, a smorgasbord of. <clears throat> Inspirational opportunity on your your YouTube page for sure. I'm I watch this right now, and I want to pick up my camera and I want to go somewhere and do something. And That's I want to make idea. sure that everybody that listens to this and can experience Ted Forbes through the the Fort Worth Camera Ambassador Program. Um, you you are here to energize people, and uh, that's our mission statement. 
Well, and, I think uh, that's one of the reasons we connected because I think you're of a very similar mission. And and the whole thing is to like, you know, how do you make, how do you inspire people? There's plenty of stuff to get down about in the world. And it's like, okay, photography should be something that like, I just love that when you see the look on somebody's face when they're like, oh, wow, I want to go try something new, you know? And I think that you guys are doing that with your education spaces here, the idea of the ambassador program. And so like, I didn't really even have to think about whether or not I wanted to do this. I mean, it was like, yeah, we're clicking. He gets it. Let's, let's go. You're like, would, would you be interested in signing an agreement? I'm like, yeah, where's the pen? Awesome. I'll call my lawyers. <laughs> Final question for Ted Forbes. Ready. Does Fort Worth ever cross your mind? Yeah. <laughs> you want more of an answer than that? I love Fort Worth. It's, remember, we started yeah, the discussion it's, well, with it's, that. It's, I'm trying to think of what I want to conceptually. It's the big, small town. It's the Fort Worth is like home. It's like, you know, I do a lot of traveling, um, a lot of press trips for camera companies. And, you know, you go to San Francisco or New York. To be honest with you, I mean, New York, especially compared to like, when I first went there in the nineties or even the eighties, it's like, it's a different city. It's kind of Disney ish. It's safe. It's expensive. It's just kind of a tourist destination. And anytime I travel anywhere it is, it's like, I feel like I'm coming home when I come to Fort Worth. And I didn't ever, I used to feel that way about Dallas. It got really big and I haven't felt that way since I was a kid about it. And I really have kind of re reinvigorated some of that with Fort Worth. It's the people are nicer here to have a, even like a camera store. I'm not just saying this because we're sitting here, but I mean like, this is the kind of thing you find in Fort Worth, this over the top, awesome, um, inspiring place that, you know, and I've, I've told that Fort Worth may not have been that way back in the day, but it sure is now. And it's, it's such an awesome place to be. I mean, culturally all the museums that are here, it's, it's just cool. It's uh, I love telling people I'm from Fort Worth because they usually say, wait a minute, where's that near Houston? And then it's like, okay, they opened the, the door for me to talk about Fort Worth. So here we go. And, and, and I love it. It's, it's, uh, I love to bring friends into town and show them Fort Worth and quirky restaurants and drive down Camp Bowie with the brick road. And first central market was over here still is it's, I love it. It's, it's amazing. It's, I mean, neither one of us are native Fort Worthers, but, uh, Fort Worth has a way of making you feel that way though. You know? Thanks, Ted. Is that good? Come on. It, you know what? Let's end it on this. As we say oh, in Texas, okay. come on down. Come on down, man. Come on down. Come to Fort Worth. Come to Fort Worth Camera and uh, listen to more shows. McKenzie, you have a lot of guests, don't you? I try to get guests I'm here. the best one, right? You are the best one <laughs> until the next one, yes. <laughs> don't tell Dixie that. All right, man. Next time. This has been a presentation of Fort Worth Camera at 1600 Montgomery Street in the Cultural District of Fort Worth, Texas. I'm Mackenzie Hughes. Our engineer is Greg Woods. For more information about Fort Worth Camera, visit fortworthcamera.com. And for more information on the Fort Worth Photo Fest, please visit fortworthphotofest.com.